With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Kiki 5PL Galaxy Talk Radio. This is Rosalind, your hostess with the Moses, here at the... Secretary of State, Secretary of Homeland Security, 
Department of National Intelligence, Secretary of Energy, Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Secretary of Transportation, Secretary of Interior, Agriculture, Veteran Affairs, Director, Office Management and Budget, Administrator, Environmental Protection Agency, the UN Ambassador, Small Business Administration, and U.S. Trade. And then you have the White House staff. You have the Chief of Staff. You have the uh, National Security Advisor. You have Communications Director. You have the Press Secretary. And then you have Senior Advisor. Now, when you talk about, um, well, I guess we are going to talk about Trump, yeah. but he has about um, maybe 4,000 governmental positions still. Okay, including some of the most important posts in the United States government. He has focused on people with business instead of government experience. That was his aim to make good on his promise to shake up Washington. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what has been done. But he also has picked a less uh, racially diverse. Let me say that again. He has also picked a less racially diverse cabinet than his predecessor. Okay? Now, what I wanted to do is look at some of those who were nominated. Okay? And we're going to go through this because some of these people, you're going to be saying, wow, really? Um, do they really possess that much? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, they do. Um, we're going to take some calls on because we got an open forum tonight. Uh, Carla, who's calling in right now? Go ahead and give me your name. Oh, hi, it's Lisa. Hi, Lisa. My favorite faithful caller. Well, we, we get ready to bring in the force. Okay, we're bringing candidates for it, okay? And so we're going to bring a, a, some, some awareness of these people and their position. Okay, um, we have another Uh, once 
uh, one of uh, Spice's colleagues, uh, senior Trump advisor, uh, Kellyanne Conway, later defended him. And that's another person we like to talk about, Kellyanne Conway, uh, defended him saying that he was merely uh, stating alternative facts. Now, we're going back over them alternative facts, okay? Because she's been caught on that. But this is Spice to join Trump's inner circle from the Republican National Committee, where he served as communication director and was a close ally of a priest, the former chairman of the RNC, who is now White House Chief of Staff. Come on, they're keeping it in the inner circle. So Mr. Spicer also holds the title of White House um, Communications Director, meaning he will be responsible for both creating communications, um, uh, communications policy and executing it as the administration's public face. So you see his face out there all the time, okay? Um, but even during a previous administration, these jobs were separate. And the merger indicates the high regard Mr. Trump, President Trump, and previous have for Pfizer. Okay? Uh, so he's a Navy, a U.S. Navy reservist with the rank of, of commander and has been a longtime communications hand in Republican, uh, in the Republican politics. So he's been there for a, a minute, okay? But like I said, he serves as the uh, chief strategist and communications director at the Republican National Committee, where he's worked since 2011. And previously he had worked as the uh, Assistant and the U.S. Trade uh, Representative for Media, so he, he he's um, used to being out there in the in the public eye. But the thing of it is, despite all these years as a spokesman, okay, he has had a time of being combative with the press. Okay, he uh, in according to the New York Times, he was serious in '93. Uh, when the student newspaper at uh, Connecticut College, where he was a member of the student government, and, uh, identified him as uh, what they call him, uh, Sean Spinkner. Spinkner. Okay, if anybody knows the medical term for Spinkner, okay? While those involved claimed that this was a copy joke that went unnoticed. But you know what? It didn't go unnoticed because it was right here, okay? Uh, since then, he has reportedly criticized. Uh, CNN, or oh, we don't Trump criticize. He can't stand CNN. Oh, they have a very, very poor relationship. But the time goes on, and we want to see what is going to happen. Okay? So we have Pfizer, who is the press secretary, and those people that have been nominated. Now, I'm going to go over these people because these individuals have actually been nominated. Okay? Even General, uh, they call him Mad Dog Madison. He was nominated. Um, uh, a key figure in the Iraq War, uh, Mattis led troops and ultimately saw U.S. oversaw the U.S. Uh, Central Command. Um, and he also uh, was the candidate who had held a high regard, so held him in high regard throughout the, the ranks of the Marine Corps during his 44 years of service. Uh, he's a seasonal uh, combat commander, and he led a, a task of course, in the southern Af Afghanistan, and so he's got his military background, okay? But he was attracted, uh, uh, 
There's a chapter controversy. He had a large controversy in 2005 where he had said, it's fun. This is what he said. It's fun to shoot some people. Well, it may be so because, you know, hey, that's how some people feel. While addressing servicemen in San Diego, he ultimately rose to oversee the U.S. Central Command, and then he would require a waiver for Congress to be eligible for the position. So service members must uh, actually usually wait seven years before being eligible to even be in Congress. But with Republicans in control on that hill and the general praise for this general's career, a waiver would like to see uh, just a formality, and he would got to get in, and he did. He got in, okay? He actually got his nomination, okay? But the, the, the key conversation here with him is that he may have already changed some mind about waterboarding. I'm going to let that sit for a minute, okay? Because we all know about the controversy about waterboarding. And then, of course, his nickname, they call him Mad Dog Mattis because he got his name uh, after the Battle of Fallujah and kept it for his um, uh, plan uh, where he spoke for it. And just, again, water boy. Okay? So, uh, any comments, question or comments so far? Because this is no, we're, we're, we're just listening into the um, background details, and then once we get into it, then we'll start, we'll, we'll give our comments. You got it. You got it. The next one is Steve Munchen. Okay? Now, he was a former Goldman Sachs partner turned Hollywood producer with an estimated net worth of $40 million. Now, he worked at Goldman Sachs for 17 years, right? And he joined the Trump campaign as a finance chairman in May. Now, these days, uh, he's in Hollywood producing and putting on films and introducing his past summers. Uh, he did Suicide Squad, matter of fact, as well as American Sniper and the Lego Movie. And his latest uh, film uh, due in uh, the theaters pretty soon, Rules on the Fly. But he has contributed to both the Republican and the Democratic candidate, including Hillary Clinton's campaign in 2008 when, uh, when he made when he he had the president to run against uh, Obama. He gave to uh, Barack Obama's Senate and presidential campaign and to Charles Schultz, the new Democratic leader in the Senate. So Munchen also worked with uh, George Soros, the billionaire financier who was bankrupt, okay, and then he bankrolled uh, liberal candidates and causes and who was uh, depicted as a villain in Trump's uh, latest campaign ad in 2009. Uh, and so during 2009, during the real estate uh, collapse, everybody remembers that, uh, Munchkin led a group that brought failed subprime lender IndyMac for penny on the dollar. Now, if everybody remember about Munchkin, uh, he um, um, key to putting little old people out in the outer street foreclosing on home. Okay? Who is Munchen? The U.S. economy as, as, as explained um, seems like he's, he's, he's um, what you call a strong being in Hollywood and being in the government as well. 
fathom right there, but that's where you go. Um, but he promises to, and he pledges, he pledges, biggest tax cut since race. Okay, this is what he said. And he made billions off the 2008 crisis. Like I said, putting the grandma and all those out on the street for closing on home. Before I go further with uh, the other ones I have, what would you have to comment on there, uh, Alex? Anything you want to know or anything that you know? Well, I mean, I've been um, intermittently watching the nomination of the hearing, and I, um, it, it's concerning the type of people that he's uh, chosen for these cabinet positions. And, and it's just kind of weird to me how uh, think, things that are being allowed to happen have, these are, these are setting some precedents. These are things that have never been allowed to happen. And I'm wondering why, uh, why no one is speaking out about these controversial uh, nominations and, you know, what's really behind this? That's really what my question is uh, tonight. Um, you know, you're, you're bringing up these, these nominees that are, uh, that Trump has chosen for business people with no political background um, and, and, has, uh, and they've been nominated despite questions about, you know, their, their background, their, what, what, their finances and their business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, and that is going to be key um, on the rest of these individuals that, uh, that we're going to um, go over, okay? Democrats uh, fought that 
tooth and nail. Um, but he was under the spotlight for a while. Um, and another thing, you wonder about that, okay? You're wondering about how did that, how did that really happen? How did that come about? Um, then, um, this session, he faced some critical questions. Um, but after all that went through and also all the Democrats, you know, had brought down on him, he still got the, he still got the confirmation. Okay. Um, let's go on. No, before we move on from Jeff Sessions, but, you know, um, during his hearing, the, um, the son of the man that he convicted to, uh, there was a there was a group of I think it was three people in Alabama. They were activists, right? Um, mm-hmm. That he br- brought up on charges of, uh, regarding voter fraud, right? Because what these uh, black people were doing, these three black people, um, I forgot, there's a name that they called the three of them, but they were down there in Alabama. They were um, signing people up to vote, right? And he actually uh, took them to court, um, and and they got convicted of voter fraud. So um, fast forward to present day, uh, the son of the guy that was convicted came on and actually defended Jeff Sessions, stating that um, they they um, that he wasn't he didn't act in a racist way when he um, when he. Um, when he took, when he, when he took, you know, that whole court during that whole court case, which was actually in contradiction to what the son's mother, which is the wife of the person that got convicted, uh, the mm-hmm. wife that the mother said it was a racial thing, but you know, it's politics. It's, it's very confusing. Um, from looking back at his history, I sincerely believe that this guy does not have the interest of. Every American, he only has the interest of select Americans at heart. And we're going to see it play out. But the one thing I want to just uh, plug out there is that November 2018 is coming soon. 33 Senate seats are going to be up for grabs. 435 uh, seats in the House of Representatives is going to be up for grabs. And it may be like this now, but we got to start working today <laughs> to make sure that in 2018, our our government doesn't look like what it's looking like now. Exactly, exactly. Um, it, it, it's really sad because you think about that, okay, really, what really took place behind closed doors? You never know what goes on behind closed doors. Once they kind of maybe approach that family, approach that individual and say, hey, you say this and I'll do this. One hand, wash the other.
denomination, but he has a private equity firm and wants to overhaul what he calls dumb trade deals, okay? And his estimated worth, net worth, $2.5 billion, billion for the dollar, would it be billion dollars. At first, um, it was Todd Ricketts, who was the co-owner of the Chicago Cubs, um, and he was worth like $1 billion net worth, but um, Wilbur Ross got the nomination. And he, they say that he fits the mold uh, of the type of administration's offices or office officials uh, he'll pledge to um, appoint during the campaign. Businessmen with long resumes and billions in their bank accounts, okay, sitting at the ready to negotiate for, for U.S. interests around the world. Now, this gentleman has been a, a vocal uh, vocal Trump supporter before before the election, uh, citing the need for a more radical new approach to government that would help middle class and lower middle class Americans. Now, that was a mouthful right there. Give me your take on that, um, Alex. When I when he says that um, they're going to take a more radical approach a new approach to government that would help, in words, help the middle class and lower middle class Americans. Where do you see that going? Well, I'm not so sure because all of that, when you think about that, uh, it, it, it could potentially, because if you think about it, right, what are they, um, what are they, uh, they're they're trying to get more of the manufacturing jobs back in the country, right? Mm-hmm. So yes. if, you think, exactly. if you think about uh, who who are going to benefit from those, those jobs, it's going to be uh, lower middle class Americans, right? Uh, your blue collar workers, your um, the people that um, may not have had a college education but have the technical skills to get to gain those jobs. So in uh, bringing manufacturing back to the U.S that would in turn um that would in turn um provide jobs for those communities. So in that way, yes. Uh that that's that's where I think that's the angle that they're trying to um they're trying to um promote. The thing I don't mm-hmm. agree with is that um you know, that's fine and there are a certain sector of the population that, that that's a good thing for them, right? But what about the people who want to further their education? I haven't heard them once talk about how they're going to promote education other than during the uh, nomination hearing for, I forgot the lady's name, that's going up for um, uh, Secretary of oh, Education. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go. Yeah, I've got her. Uh, yes, uh, DeVos. Uh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got her. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah. But, but I want to finish. Yeah, let me finish on Ross because um, he was the chairman of W. L. Ross and Company, and he has made a career, a career of resurrecting dying companies. He were mm-hmm. resurrecting the dying companies. So fittingly, some of Ross's biggest hits have been in the same uh, demoralized industry that Trump wants to revive, like steel and coal. Like uh, for instance, Ross um, firms score huge. He scored huge returns on last de- decade uh, by putting together uh, bankrupt steelmakers, including Bethlehem Steel, to form another company which was called International Steel Group. So he flipped 
So yeah. he's flipping these dead companies, okay, and bringing them back to life. That's another idea. I, I imagine why Trump has got him in as the Secretary of Commerce. And like I said, his net worth, $3 billion. And look, he has an impressive art collection that's worth over $150 million. These are people with huge deep Okay. Now, I think I should go over uh, my lady here because Betsy DeVos was nominated as Secretary of Education, but she has this uh, in her portfolio. She's a power broker with no professional education experience with a net worth of $5.1 billion, okay? These folks are all starting out with $4 billion, okay? He's surrounding himself with powerful people. But she chairs the American Federation for Children, a group that promotes charter school education. She also served on the board of the Foundation of Excellence in Education, a group led by the former uh, Florida uh, Governor Jeb Bush, who was one of Trump's GOP primary opponents, okay, which promoted both school choice and a common core education standards that Trump opposed. Okay, Trump opposed. So he's bringing up people that not only were with him, but that opposed him. But what's common is that these are very, very wealthy people. Okay, but she has no experience uh, or professional experience so far as education, but she's been part of foundations that would support or she promotes, like I said, the charter school, um, bringing in um, individuals who are, uh, how would you say it? Um, Part of the educational system, but not. Um, we're looking for individuals who uh, know what it is to be a teacher or professor or someone who has that uh, degree on the wall says, I've been there and I've got it. I've got it, you know, something to show that I've been there. Educating our children, educating those who are going to be our future leaders of this world. But what happens? Um, here we go. We have someone who is worth $5.1 billion who is Secretary of Education. Any thoughts on that one? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> so, <laughs> boy, you know, I, I, uh, while, while I agree, so we'll talk about her credentials first, right, which she left. Um, I, and I like what Bernie Sanders asked her. If you weren't, if you weren't uh, from the family that you're from, would you be in this? Um, <laughs> would you be? Would, would do you think you'd be able to be in this position now? Right. So that tells you something right there. The second thing. The second thing is that you know I believe that you know if, you know you know me. I I go for my people 100 percent. Right. That is my number one priority. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I believe that, you know, we're being miseducated in public schools. Um, so I tend to kind of agree that we should 
teach our, our own children. The only problem is that because of our economical situation, we're, we need to go out and work, right? So at this mm-hmm. point, we need a better public school system. So uh, the majority of the American population, uh, their children go to public school. So, you know, I think that the, the focus should be on improving the public school system so that, you know, people who can't afford to homeschool their children or send their children to a charter school can have the same equal access to education as those that are in charter schools or being homeschooled, right? So mm-hmm. I think her angle is wrong. Um, she's probably going to promote that more, but it's going to affect our communities if we don't do something about it. That's why on the previous show I said we need to uh, start things within our community because we're in a type of climate right now where they don't care about us. They're doing, they, they have an agenda that has already been preset that they're going to promote for these next four years that they have in office, right? So um, knowing that we are not their priority, we need to do what we ha- we can do at this point, which is um, form some community programs to make sure that, you know, public school is going to get worse than it already is. They're going to promote these charter schools and uh, education choices, as they say, which is not going to benefit us because we can't take advantage of it as individuals. So we have to have community resources to pull from that money that they're going to be giving out towards these things to set up things in our community. So I don't agree with her angle um, because it's not going to benefit us. We're going to suffer because our children, the majority of our children are in public school. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah money away, then we're going to suffer. So we've got to do something to counteract that. Yeah, because the question has been brought up, is she a fighter for the kids or a destroyer, a destroyer of public schools? You know? I think she, I think so, she's a destroyer of public schools. I, I don't think she's not a proponent of that. Um, and and the, 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 the population that's going to be affected is us if we don't do something yeah. about it. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, they say that it, it all comes up to the strong opinions about, about, about her and about even about Trump, you know. Uh, he's nominated her to the highest education role in the nation. School choice and charter advocates, they praised her appointment. But then you turn around and then you have people who are slamming her. You know, like I said, is she a, a fighter for the kids or a destroyer of public schools? That's just another that we are confronted with. And so we have so far these people that we have uh, read about, uh, billionaires who have had the silver spoon, and we wonder do they know or even feel about, uh, how they feel about those of us down here, uh, what you call uh, on the other, other end of the totem pole. Um, but there you go. Right, and you got to remember, you got to think about it. Like you said, he's getting in billionaires, not millionaires, billionaires that are going to be both allies in his his new cabinet, right? Do you think that those billionaires have any idea of what we go through on a daily? They can't conceptualize that. They're looking at it from a lens of a billionaire. So a billionaire can't can't think about the things that, that we go through on a daily basis. And he, he himself said it, Trump, he says, who is he going to give tax cuts to? 
Senate gives tax cuts to uh, businesses, right? This is a reminiscent of the trickle-down economy that uh, Reagan had, which did not work at all. It put us, you remember in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, we were in an economic conundrum at that time mm-hmm. because of mm-hmm. what Reagan did. You know, so mm-hmm. we're good, and we're in a different season now. The other, the other point I wanted to make is his focus. His focus is on manufacturing, not on education. So he picked the right person because she is. She's going to be instrumental in taking the focus away from improving our educational system to dismantling it in a way. So if you're going to bring manufacturer and just skilled labor into the country. You're not going to work on improving the, the, the intelligence of this country. It's going to dismantle it. Uh, that, that's pretty much what's going to happen uh, if things go as they're looking like they're going to go. Um, they have no interest in educating the American populace. They want us to be uh, unskilled robots doing labor work, and, and, and that's the more unskilled and unintelligent you are is the more they have the ability to control you. Yes. Yes, and you're speaking about dismantle. If Trump wanted a cabinet secretary who could help him dismantle and replace President, former President Obama's health care law, he could not have found any more anyone more prepared than Tom Price. Tom Price has been studying how to accomplish just that for more than six years since Obamacare has been here. This is his goal. And he is just chomping at the bit right now. It's already been signed. Uh, you know that. It's already been signed how to overturn Obamacare. I watched a, comp- a, 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 a news report the other night, and there was um, a news reporter going to the different homes of individuals who are getting, you know, uh, health care only because of Obamacare, of a young man who was laying in the, in the bed who had, uh, who was paralyzed from the neck down and had to have uh, home care, and his uh, care, of course, um, his family could not afford it, and Obamacare helped to assist it. And, of course, you have your pre-existing condition, okay, that Obamacare would cover. So when he went to interview the family, and the family, the mother said, if Obamacare was to be taken away, my son would die. This is a black family. Then they went to a white family. A young lady, she was there. Uh, she was in a recovery program. She was a drug addict. Uh, she was in a recovery program, getting her life together, and, you know, she needed assistance in doing so. And so in having Obamacare applying, of course, having it, she was able to get the care that she needed. Millions, millions of people will be affected by this gentleman, Mr. Price who is an orthopedic surgeon who represents many of the northern suburbs of Atlanta, uh, speaks with a self-assurance of a doctor about to perform another joint replacement procedure. He knows the task and will, he will uh, work at it very proficiently, okay? 
So Trump picked him in a six-term uh, Republican congressman to be the Secretary of Health and Human Services. And Trump's transition team announced this already. So he's already there. He's already been nominated. One of Tom Price's top priorities as health secretary would be to dismantle the sleeping health reform law that he has two predecessors spent six years implementing. This man has been implementing this for the past six years. He was waiting for Obama to get out so that they can change it. Price, like I said, he's an orthopedic surgeon who chairs the House and Budget Committee, has long decried, okay, Obamacare as a threat to quality and affordable health care. Before entering politics, Price spent nearly 20 years in private practice as an orthopedic surgeon. So you can tell right there, he was getting um, the other end of the stick when you talk about um, uh, the hospitals and, and um, private practices who did not like Obamacare. Okay? He also served as a medical director of the orthopedic clinic at the Grady uh, Memorial Hospital and as an assistant professor at Emory University School of Medicine. So he spent four terms in Georgia in the state senate in 2004, and he was elected to the House of Representatives, and he was named the Budget Committee Chair in 2015. But he has authored several um, um Iterations of, of, of Obamacare, uh, how to replace it, all the plans, uh, which bears many similarities to Trump's vision, that's why they get along, for health care reform and the House Speaker Paul Ryan's overhaul proposal. All three of them are working together to get Obamacare overturned. So Price's most recent bill, the Empowering Patients First Act of 2015, calls for giving refundable tax credits to those who buy policies in the individual market. The credits would be uh, adjusted by age, ranging from 1200 bucks for those age 18 to 35 to uh, 3000 for those uh, 50 and over. Uh, the plan would uh, also offer more incentives for Americans to use health savings accounts. Do you use health savings accounts? How can you use health savings account when you're barely making it, when you're barely making the ends meet? So many people are out there and living check to check and barely making it. So how is that happening? How can uh, a health savings account, including a one-time $1,000 tax credit for uh, making contributions, is going to be implemented? It caps the tax exclusion on employer-sponsored plans at $20,000 for family coverage. What if people are going to spend $20,000 with all the illnesses that are going on today? $20,000 would barely cover any medical cost. And trust me, so many people have seen it, have seen it. And I know you, Alex, I know you've seen it. Being in the medical field, Oh, my God. I, I, my thing is that think about uh, people who get tax credits, right? Um, mm-hmm. what, what, what does the average person do when they get a few extra dollars? They pay their bills, right? Exactly. And, and the other thing is it, 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 it's crazy to me. An average hospital stay 
as I'll just talk about my patient population, for a dialysis patient who spends one week in the hospital, it's fifty thousand dollars, right? That's a big problem. Who, where, where, where do those costs come from? You know, mm-hmm. the thing that they, the thing that they should be addressing is the cost of, of the drugs that these pharmaceutical companies have been uh, hiking up for years and years that is insurmountable, right? Um, yeah. All of these vendors, you know, so they, these people, these companies have lobbyists that go to Washington, get into these politicians' pockets, and and they dictate what happens on a healthcare platform. Having been a nurse and seen a lot of things, especially during the advent of Obamacare, we had a lot of patients, you know, um, that were uninsured, especially here in California. Um, that's, this has been the worst that I've seen it uh, with the uninsured population prior to Obamacare. And I would ask the patients, I said, you know, why why don't you um, get insurance, right? And one, uh, several patients said to me, you know what, the choice is either I get insurance or I feed my family and have a place to live. That's the choice a lot of people have, right? So what mm-hmm. they're doing, what they're doing is, Dismantling a program as imperfect as it, as it is, this takes a lot of people's lives. In my in my field, um, a, a person gets diagnosed with uh, with kidney failure and crash lands into a hospital, right? And at mm-hmm. minimum, they're going to stay in ICU for about two to three days, right? And they're not going to get out of that hospital for up to two weeks, right? So that's a lot of money right there. If this person is barely making it from paycheck to paycheck, a two-week stay in the hospital, and then three months of disability after that, they're out of a job, right? When they're mm-hmm. out of a job, the employer offers them COBRA. COBRA is about $800 a month. Who can afford that? Oh, my goodness. Who can afford COBRA, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, um, and when, when these, these these people, I'm telling you, they're thinking from a privileged mindset that, oh, yes, the average American is going to get this tax credit, and they're going to put it into a health savings account for the rainy day when they get sick. They're going to use it. That is not reality. They need to come out and visit reality because uh, what they're talking about is, is so they need to go back to those companies that charge an enormous amount. And then this guy right here, having met many, 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 many doctors in my lifetime and, and had conversations with them, especially during the, the when they were planning to implement Obamacare. The price that doctors have, an average doctor, let's say they make about, um, we'll say $10,000 a month as a number, right? Um, mm-hmm. With Obamacare, Obamacare is similar to Medicaid, right? So Obamacare for a uh, average procedure, I'll just use my field, uh, for one day of dialysis, it's about, uh, I'd say, four, four to $600 per treatment, right? Um, the company submits a bill to the government under Obamacare, they all get reimbursed $240 for that $600 bill they submitted. So the doctors are not getting paid that much. That's why it's not that Obamacare doesn't work, it's that the reimbursement is lower, so the doctors um, take-home is less, and that's why they're rejecting it. So that's why you're going to see a lot of doctors that are going to be against it because they're not getting that reimbursement that they're used to, but they're focusing on the wrong person. But if you repeal this thing and say you're going to give people tax credit, what's going to happen is what was happening before that caused our hospital systems to go down the tubes. You see, we don't 
many anymore, right? Because mm-hmm. they had to close. The people mm-hmm. were going into the emergency room, going to get, you know, they had to go to the hospital. They weren't feeling well, right? You can't turn them away at the hospital. We have something called Emsala that prevents us from turning them away. So you got to treat them. you got to give them the same treatment, give everybody else. And what happens to, to, to all those costs? It gets put back as a, as a tax loss. So exactly. we're going to go back to the same place where we were before. At least, even though Obamacare is not perfect, it, it, it wasn't the original legislation that was introduced. It, it's been turned around in different ways to appease the other side in order for it to get passed. But at least if, if they keep it, they can refine it, not take it away and put some replacement that doesn't make sense. And on top of that, you know, Obama himself says, if you come up with something better than what I've implemented, then I'm all for it. But hey, because like I say, it, it casts the tax exclusion on employer-sponsored plans at $20,000 for family coverage. And it allows insurers to sell coverage across state lines. But his bill also pushes states to create high-risk pools to insure those rejected by carriers on the individual market. And usually those who have costly pre-existing conditions. And then on top of that, it, it limits uh, using federal funds to pay for like abortions and, and protect health care providers who don't want to perform abortions for religious reasons. So you have all these going all these uh, things going on when you talk about the health care. Um, wow. It's really crazy um, what we see. And then on top of that, when you talk about all the people who are part of this, um, and I see you, callers, I'm going to get to you right now. Um, it's, it's really astonishing. You know, you think about what is the mindset of these people? What are they, what are they really bringing to those, to, you know, Mary and, and, and John who are, you know, barely negative with their kids? Um, but ladies and gentlemen, you're here at Teaching Five Seattle Galaxy Talk Radio here around the corner. Of course, we're having great topics tonight because we, we put Trump on the side. We want to know about this habit of his and all these people who are so far nothing but billionaires, billionaires with no experience or barely any experience into the position of which they've been elected or nominated. Uh, so we're looking to see exactly what they're going to do. Okay, we have a caller from Southern California. Caller, give us your name. Where you calling in from? Oh, this is Reverend Joe Elvis Murphy. Hey, Joe, how's it going, sir? Well, I'm fine, Mars. How's everybody doing tonight? Doing great, doing great. You know we talk about this cabinet. That ain't no cabinet. That ain't no but a cabinet of American gangsters up in there. That's all. Uh oh, come on, bring it, bring it to the table. Come on, tell the world. That's it. They're just a bunch of American gangsters. We finally have somebody else in there that's an American gangster. I mean, look at him. I mean, the way he talks, there are a lot of people in the streets. He talks about what we talk about. You know, if you really hear what he speaks of, he's rude as I don't know what. He's disrespectful as I don't, don't know what. But he, he talks about and he hits the point on what people talk about or what they complain about. I mean, 75% of the things he talk about is what people complain about. I mean, people talk some, talk about that out in the streets like, man, you know what? He is hitting the point 
about that situation because we have talked about it. We have elaborated on it. You know, I have heard these type of conversations because he do hit certain points that's kind of valid. But it's, and I, the reason why I say it's an American gangster for president because this man owns casinos, uh, hotels, uh, construction companies. I mean, and it takes power to run those type of things. And America got kind of soft now. And it just shows you that money rules of all evil, and we write back to the same thing we've been seeing on television. I mean, it's just like watching a movie. That's what it looked like to me. It's like me watching a movie where Esau Morales is president or a woman was president. Or, you know what I mean? Think about all the movies we done watched, and it was just about a president, but it's just the character of a president. And that's just what's really happening in real life now. Look how... Him and his wife don't even get along. They don't hold hands. Like they haven't seen a kid in front of each nobody yet. He did an air and kiss. That, did you see? I, I saw the air kiss uh, that he did um, at the uh, inauguration. Um, and I mean, people they play that over and over, you know, and they barely hold hands. And you wonder about that the discipleship that they're wonder, presenting. Right. You wonder if he can't if, if his family's not together. How do you think he's gonna hold America together?
Quran. They all walk around with the Quran. They have the Quran. They don't read any other book other than the Quran. And they practice this this Catholic ritual, which they put voodoo from Africa, Santeria from the from the Hispanic. As soon as they get all the rest of these um, nationalities and, and tribes, they probably have all them because they want them out. But once they get Asia, the devil is alive. Mm, mm. They're already Come evil. On. They're already evil. That's why they can go out and kill people the way they do and sleep at night. And the reason they do that is because they are Catholics. Because they have been raised that if, if you go out and you kill somebody, as long as you make it to confession and you confess your sins and you go home and you do your 10 Hail Marys and your 20 uh, Our Fathers and don't do it anymore, you confess your sins to a priest and he tells you to do that, you're forgiven. You're free to go and kill somebody else and come back next week. And confess it all over again. And do it all over again. Yeah, uh-huh. confess enough. Confess I'm forgiven, and that's it. So uh-huh. we yeah, need to uh-huh. get our, our naturalization papers and then change who we are with that fictitious birth certificate. Fix that. Once we do that, we take back all our power. And, the, and America will have fallen. <laughs> Come on. All right. And the reason I know this is because I'm down in Georgia. The, uh, the, the government in here in Pennsylvania just came down here with the police and stole five of my grandchildren. They now have seven of my grandchildren. Why? We have done nothing to break the law. It's because of this, what I'm talking about right now, because we haven't filled out the naturalization. We haven't changed that bond over. And do you know once we do that, they, we are not bound by their laws and their rules. They cannot put you in jail for any reason because you're of a, we're of a different culture and they are not equipped to 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 deal with us, you know, to, well, to um, reform us. Yeah, yeah, but what, how did he come pick your children? What made him come pick he didn't even have a right to those children because he's black and she's white. She's done everything under the sun to break the law and they have it in front of them. And they're just the same and they don't care because they want that money to stay in Pennsylvania. They don't care what happens to my grandchildren. They don't care if they put them in the system as long as that money stays in Pennsylvania. If they put them in foster care, they're still this small person so their government is still going to collect that money. Do you know when you fill up that paperwork and you do that paperwork for your birth certificate, which is that bond, every holiday, every birthday, <clears throat> your children, excuse me, under the age of 18, they deposit $30,000 in the bank every holiday, every birthday for those children under 18. Once that paperwork is done. And this is what they don't want us to know. Not only that, they're stealing the religion. They've already stolen and they're using it in the Catholic Church. You go in the Catholic Church, and the and the and, and what is that? What's that? The secret organization of the Illuminati. Mm-hmm. Same thing. It's the same thing. You know, they go through the rituals of Voodoo and Santeria, and they all study the Quran. They all carry the Quran, but because we're so distracted on what they're going to do next, what they what are we going to do? Get that paperwork done. We bring America to its knees. 
And I think that's one thing that's what's so bad. What we really need to think about is, like, you, you hit it right the nail around the head when you said we're always so worried about thinking about what they are going to do next. Instead right. of saying, what are we going to do now? <laughs> That's right. So we as a people, we just get our heads out of the sand and say, hey, this is what we have to do, and we need to come together. It starts with one person, but we can't do it alone. And we need to come together as a people. We need to come together as an organization. As, and, you know, Can you imagine what we can 
That's right. Do it in madness. We need to do it. That's right. But it takes strong people who has a mindset that we are going to attain. If, if Lorenzo, if Lorenzo was still on the line, Lorenzo Roblin, she's there. If, 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 you, if you all, if you all will, since you have my number. Text me your address, and I will send you a copy of those naturalization papers. You just send it to me.
talking about with Kanye and Steve Harvey? Distraction. Distraction. There's a noise in the back that keeps scratching. Right. 
<laughs> but that's Kanye what they do. Yes, Kanye West. What is Kanye West? He's supposed to appeal to the younger generation that's into that hip hop and stuff. So you know, iconic figures. But the way they presented them after the meeting made them look like a bunch of fools because they had nothing to say why they went there if it was in the interest of our people. That's right. Well, listen, um, we're getting ready to wrap it up now, but I, I just wanted to go over a little bit about Ben Carson because I, I want to save him for last because he has literally no background in housing policy, urban development, or running a large organization. You know, in fact, as recently as last week, he, he said he didn't even um, want to try, but now, of course, we know that's changed, Jack, because he's actually got the nomination. Okay. Um, but like you said, in, it's not that we want to think of him as the token, uh, because his cabinet um, is, you know, we know that um, all uh, white people. Um, but then Carson, and that's another thing why uh, he probably thought he was being brought up there to assist Ben but Carson you know, to housing and urban. But, but that, that, you think about that, okay? But ben, but ben Carson, Ben Carson was a was a, a respected doctor at one time, very much and, and and people believed and they trusted in him. And you know, it doesn't take a a a a a, a brain surgeon to know who needs housing and who doesn't. So you know, they just you know he was in the running, he was in the race at one time. He stuck around, you know, and, and you know, and they kind of hold him in high regard. So I don't have a problem with him being in that in the housing development. That's nothing. That's nothing. You know, and it just tied him to a seat. But it's Trump and and, and the Rockefellers and and all those people that you know they're really one family. They're one entity, and and it's because they're collecting that money that I've been talking about. That's how the rich get richer. And then because they have all this power, they feel even our inheritance. So they have control over all the money. Because the lawyer you get, he's going to, they steal it all. They have it, they've been stealing it. So, you know, Ben Carson being in the housing, he better help people get housing and need housing. I don't know if a lot of people mm-hmm. need housing anymore, except for the baby boomers. But, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, exactly. and then, yeah, yeah, exactly. I agree. Couldn't agree with you more. But I, I, I'm, I'm gonna leave this this comment with you because I mean, it really, uh, it really sums up what's been taking place with the uh, nominations of this cabinet. Because and this uh, individual uh, president's mind, and we think you know the Carson's behavior deserves a reward. You know, he he originally won it, now he's got it. Um, and and if that means handing of a passive agency to a man or a woman who has no idea what to do with that bureaucracy, so be it. That's, 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 I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at that what his mindset is. We really would like to know what is what is going on up in that orange head, you know. But, but expertise is the only important thing to people who don't vote for him, who didn't vote for him, okay? So, of course, some administrations will be affected with a group of people who have no idea what they're doing. But since Trump doesn't take governing seriously, because he's a businessman, he's not a politician, never 
at a some public venue, you know, because, you know, this right here is, as you can tell tonight, we we have intruders on our airways, right? That's why we're looking which is good because the message needs to get out there that, you know, we're not going to take your shit anymore. They got a different type of African that they deal with today. That's so, right. And those Indians, and those Indians out there in Dakota, they're not the Indians from yesteryear because the Indians in yesteryear, there would not be any white people over there digging holes. Right. For so any reason. Right. If you look at the native people from any country, when I say any country, I mean any country. Look at those people, what they look like. They don't look like the current occupants today. You know? They look different. And that's why you yeah. have a lot of white people. That's why you have a lot of white people saying, "I'm a Native American. I'm, 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 a, I'm an Indian. I'm an Indian." Yes, because no, they're already collecting. Because they're already collecting that money. Right. You got to remember the five dollar Indian. You remember that back in the day, those white people paid five dollars to be registered as a Native. You right. know, and, they, and that's how they think that they're Indian. I, I, any chance I get, I sell them. This blue eyes, blonde hair, thank you, saying be a uh, Native American. I'm like, uh, you need to get your <laughs> DNA done, right? <laughs> and, and you know, and it's not a, and it's not a racism. We're not being racist. It's the truth. Yeah, yeah. I'm about to say, you know, right. it's just it's true about your identity. Who you are. That's right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you're here at TQ5CL. Um, so, are you there? You want to have a last comment, sir? Yes, yes, yes. Um, I want to kind of speak about like guys like Ben Carson. The reason why he's able to get a position like that is due to the fact that it reminds me of myself when they put me as the chairman of the board for Section 8 Housing Authority. They already have a team already for that position that's going to back you up. And if you can remember back when Ben Carson said, all I do is all I got to do is just become that position because I have people that are gonna work. And when he said that a lot of people didn't understand what he was meaning. I understand what he meant because when I was the chairman of the board for Section Eight Housing Authority for the county, I was just the chairman. I really never spoke. I don't have to do no paperwork. All I have to do is just stand right next to the executive director. That's all I have to do because the executive director did all the talking. You feel what I'm saying? Uh, all I did was sign on the dotted line in my position as the chairman of the board. There's a protocol when you become uh, um, chosen as an elective for a position. And he's up on, he's a puppet. So he's told what to do as that hood man. He don't have to know what to do. I didn't know what to do when I was the chairman of the board for Section 8, Housing Authority Section 8. That means, have, that means that means you have a right to vote on issues that involve that government body. No, I was a community rep, so I I um, was on some of that protocol. Not to not to, but one thing I did do, I resigned from there. I resigned because I found out that they was building up crimes for people. They were they are building up crimes out here against people. Oh yeah, like making a crime for you to commit. That's right. They will they will drag you in on on false charges because as long as they have you incarcerated, you do not have access to get that paperwork that I've been talking about. <laughs> and they're yeah, going to continue. And they're going to continue. And they're going to continue to collect that money if we don't 
do what we need to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I was just talking about. I was just talking about the Porter car. That's why Dan Carson said that, because he's already going to be told what to do as, in that position. Most of those people, there's already core teams on the side of the, you know, that's just waiting to tell them what to do at the table. The stinkers before thinkers before thinkers. Yeah, it was like I was saying uh, the other night. I said, um, you can be the head, but if you don't have control of the body, what good are you? Right. Of course. Okay, well, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a great show. Oh, my goodness, a great show, great show. We're going to do this again, of course. Um, thank you, Gary, for calling in. And so, and, uh, Alex and Lisa, it's been a great show. I know we have so much more to share, but, hey, we got a show next week, y'all, okay? And we have some politics. Come on now. Um, and, uh, of course, we have Soul Vibrations on Thursday. So, um, we're doing it. We're doing it here at TC5CL. I want to thank everybody for calling in. I guess the chief couldn't call in tonight. He's busy doing other things, but that's okay. I know he's listening in. Um, so we want to thank everyone for calling in. Of course, this show has been recorded. You can go back and listen for the next uh, maybe a few hours. I can listen to it over again. And, of course, tune in on Monday for Compton Politics with Lorenzo Murphy. Of course, on Tuesday night, we have Barbara Speedy and Rodney Desperate. Talk from the higher brush, my show on Wednesday, and of course, tomorrow night, everybody tune in with a document and a question. And can I say just one thing before we all go? Um, from now on, on, when you call for home protection, when you call in or or go on the internet, since we have spies, turn off your location on your phone and things of that nature so that there won't be any tracking, even though they can track us anyhow. But it was just to turn, turn off your location. <laughs> you know they got a way to it. They got a way to do it, of course. Of course. We want to make it hard for them. We want to make it That's hard right. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, everyone, I want to wish everyone a good night. And be safe out there. Okay? And be safe. Good yes. night. Good night. All right. Good night. Good night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.